The Dory Monson Show on Cairo Radio. This is The Big Lead. Coming to you from Carter Subaru Studio. Welcome. Welcome to The Big Show. It's the start of a new week. The dawn of a new era. Welcome to this Monday afternoon edition of The Dory Monson Show. Usually I'm very rested on Mondays. Usually I spend the weekend to recharge, but I got to, and I'm not proud of myself. I'm not proud of what this weekend revealed about me because uh, Friday night the snow started to fall. I love the snow. I was enchanted by the snow. But at some point, Friday night, Saturday morning, I'm thinking about 2.30 a.m., our power goes out. Okay, so I'm trying to figure out, and there's six other neighbors. Our power went out. So my wife took uh, Buddy Boy for a walk, and she said, oh, I see why the power went out. About a half block away, a tree had fallen from a neighbor's property across the road, and a big tree, good-sized tree, and crashed across the road onto the power lines that obviously affected the seven homes in our neighborhood. And so my, my first instinct is, so how's the person who owned that tree going to be held accountable? Now, most trees fall on their own, and there's nothing we can or should do about it. But can I give some advice to people who have big trees on their property? If you let your tree get swallowed up by ivy, if you have a bunch of ivy suckling all over the trunk of your tree, it's not a good, healthy thing. And if you ignore that, and then the tree crashes, and then it takes out the power for seven people, maybe, just maybe, you should be a little bit responsible for your tree that had the ivy suckling all over it. That's gross. Last time I'm ever doing that. But uh, so we don't get our power all day Saturday. I'm checking the City Light hotline. Estimated restoration time. Noon. Noon comes and goes. 3 p.m. 3 p.m. comes and goes. And finally, a crew comes by our door. And, and let me just say, while I complain about many aspects of government, Seattle City Light, I want to give them praise. Their power outage hotline is really good. And it tells you where the outages are. It gives you the latest information that they have. And then a crew came to our door and said, yeah, we see the problem. It's going to take us a while to get cranes. They needed two cranes to remove this tree from the power lines. So here's where we get to, I don't like what this reveals about me. Because I'm a basket case. Because my phone is suddenly down to... 20%, 10%, 20%, 10%, and I'm going crazy. I have become like a teenager in how attached I am to my phone and how berserk I'm going. I can't watch any TV, can't watch any college football, conference championship games. I said to my wife, let's go get a hotel. Said, oh, we don't need a hotel. It's, they know that where the problem is, it'll be back on at some point. But I do want to give credit to the crews, the men and women who are out there in stormy weather removing all the trees, uh, to the people who set up the website. It's pretty slick. 
pretty good information there. If I'm going to be a watchdog of government, I'm going to spotlight the good as well as the bad. And I think Seattle City Light does a pretty good job, all things considered, with all the trees and hills that we have throughout this region. But that, now I still have a problem. Now it's getting dark, so I can't read either because my Kindle, I forgot to charge my Kindle. So I got nothing. So I called my daughter and, and son-in-law and said, hey, can I come up to your house? I got I to gotta charge a bunch of stuff. They said, well, yeah, we're not going to be here, but you can. And so my wife said, I'll just stay home and put up Christmas decorations in the dark. Now, if I was any kind of a person, I would say, oh, let me help you do that, honey. But I'm a, I'm a nervous basket case wreck. I'm not happy with me right now. But uh, finally, the power came on late Saturday night. It was out for less than 24 hours, and I was able to somewhat regain some sanity. But it's, I tell you what, I don't blame China. If they're using TikTok to try to control the minds of every young person in America, it's going to work. Because if an old guy like me has become this addicted to technology, if the Chinese ever want to take down this country, they can do it with uh, TikTok that they've already gotten on so many people's phones which, by the way, we should. Be, Trump was right. We should ban TikTok because it is a giant Chinese surveillance system of young people in America. But that's another story for another day. But I'm not a fan of TikTok and giving other nations this kind of control over us. And can you imagine if somebody, some terror network, was ever successful in taking out the power grid? For any extended amount of time. So now I'm looking at generators, looking at all kinds of backups. I had my car running in the driveway for a half hour yesterday because the only way it would charge the phone, or on Saturday rather, only way it would charge the phone is if the car was running. So I just left the car running for a half hour, belching carbon emissions into the atmosphere so I could get another 7% of charge. Pathetic. It was really pathetic. But anyway, one of the only things I did see on my phone Saturday morning, I saw United States loses in knockout round at World Cup, which is the round of 16. Ending dream run. Dream run? They barely got through to the Sweet 16. It's not a dream run. That's a stumble at the beginning. But how do you lose? And I know all the soccer purists are going to be very upset at me. How does the United States of America, the most powerful nation on earth, the greatest country that God ever smiled upon, Netherlands? How in the world does the United States of America lose to the Netherlands? We have 20 times... The number of people that the Netherlands has, 20 times. We've got about 340 million. Netherlands has about 17 uh, million. We can't find 11 guys who are better than the 11 best in the Netherlands? Did they handicap the match? 
I wouldn't know because I wasn't on the internet all weekend. But did they make both teams wear wooden shoes? Because I would imagine that'd be quite the equalizer for the Dutch. But if they didn't, if they allowed everybody to wear their Nikes and Adidas, how do we lose to the Netherlands? And if we did, is that a real sport? If some place like the Netherlands can beat the United States. And it also points out the United States losing to Netherlands could only happen in Biden's America. Hey, with all that is mere prelude. Let's get right to the big lead. The big lead. Top story. I'm sorry that this came out uh, late on Friday evening. Usually the Friday afternoon news dump is where you want to bury a story. But it was Friday late afternoon when journalist Matt Taibbi started to get documents from Elon Musk and Twitter. And these documents are damning. They're just absolutely damning. Because we now know that before Elon Musk took over, the Twitter actively worked with the FBI and other national law enforcement mechanisms to bury the Hunter laptop story because they were afraid it would have a negative effect on the 2020 election. We know that Twitter was burying storylines. Not only that, but they were labeling them as misinformation or even more damning, Russian disinformation. So that anybody who said, hey, wait a second, like the New York Post, like journalist Miranda Devine, uh, who covered this story and wrote a book about it. But when they Driver's were writing their stories and writing their books that were incredibly well-resourced, all of a sudden, Twitter was labeling their correct information as Russian disinformation. They were trying to throw radio talk show hosts like me off the air because I said, this New York Post story is worth looking into. If Hunter Biden is trading the vice president of the United States for personal family riches, then this is as big a story as you are going to find. And so as Matt Taibbi started releasing what they called the Twitter files on Friday night, what you found is that they'd gone through thousands. Elon Musk authorized this release prior to Musk taking control. Uh, they had thousands of internal documents obtained by sources at Twitter that tells a story of the most influential social media platform in the world and that they were working to influence the 2020 election outcome. So now in the last two weeks, we know that a cryptocurrency scam funneled over $100 million to the Democrat Party in the five weeks before the 2020 midterms. We know that Twitter denied the truth and passed along lies in order to influence the 2020 election. Now, when people talk, and I'm not a big fan of what happened on January 6th, but I do not think that it was the constitutional crisis that a lot of people make it out to be. And here's why. Here's why. Hear me out. What are Americans supposed to do if they see 
that Facebook and Twitter, that the biggest tech companies in the world are colluding with the law enforcement mechanisms of the United States government and one political party to influence the outcome of an election. Now, is that a stolen election? That's what the courts are going to decide. But what I do know is there were a lot of Americans who were looking at this with a somewhat objective eye, and they said that this is an unholy trinity of technology, one political party, and law enforcement that worked to affect the outcome of an election. Now, the way they expressed their anger, their frustration, their fear over this was entirely inappropriate by breaking in to the United States Capitol and causing damage, but it sure looks as if that election was severely compromised by what Twitter was doing. Now, let me tell you that a guy who was fired by Twitter, his name is Yoel Roth, and he says that the reason they banned Trump was because he personally was so traumatized on January 6th. Donald Trump. That one I don't think was a mistake. January 6th. So it it starts on the 6th, but it also starts prior to that. That's correct. In the weeks leading up, in the weeks between Election Day and January 6th, Twitter moderated hundreds. I think the, the, the final number ended up was like 140 separate tweets from just at real Donald Trump that violated various policies. Yes, he was good at that. Integrity policy. Yeah. Every morning it was a new tweet. Okay, so they're saying that Donald Trump violated integrity policies. What was going on with the millions of tweets that were being sent out saying that this was Russian misinformation, that this was a Russian dossier, that they were just following the playbook of enemies of this country? It turns out they're following the playbook of the Democratic Party and United States federal law enforcement in many of these cases. But they didn't moderate any of that. And uh, this guy goes on and on. I want to play this to you because this is an example of the kind of person who is in charge of deciding what information should get to the American people. Much of it was recirculating some of the same narratives, and all of it was focused on the ultimately false claim that the 2020 election had been stolen. And so we're going into the events. Yeah, I don't know if that's an ultimately false claim. Twitter, Facebook... They're all working with one party and with the federal government to alter the outcome. Cryptocurrency billions were being invested, or hundreds of millions, in commercials in the five weeks in the biggest Trump versus Biden swing states. There was a clear attempt to affect this election outcome. ...of the six, and there's that context. There's the centrality of his account in... So we let him get away with it for a long time, in other words. Well, we've been enforcing on it, right? So we restricted the tweets, we put warnings on them, you couldn't like them, you couldn't retweet them, um, but we didn't ban him because it was a relevant part of a moment in American mm-hmm. politics. Right. The events of the sixth happen, and... Um, 
If you talk to content moderators who worked on January 6th, myself included, the word that nearly everybody uses is trauma. Mm -hmm. we, we experience those events, not some of us as Americans, but not just as Americans or as citizens, but as people working on sort of how to prevent harm on the Internet. We okay, this guy wants to prevent harm by pushing out lies and suppressing the truth. And he's telling us now, now that Elon Musk has fired him, that he's traumatized by that day. Saw the clearest possible example of what it looked like for things to move from online to off. We saw right. what was we saw the way that rhetoric about a stolen election was being mobilized on sites like the Donald.win. Sure. We yes. saw the trafficking of this content in the fringe parts of the internet, and we saw people dead in the Capitol. The only person dead in the Capitol was Ashley Babbitt, a Trump supporter who was shot and killed by a Capitol police officer. So this guy is still pushing out disinformation. We saw people dead in the Capitol. And here's one more long cut from Yoel Roth. Are you worried about these Twitter files coming out? And what was that experience like having Kellyanne, who's always in control of herself, sticking this mega trolls on you? It's terrifying. I thought I was going to be a college professor for a living. Mm -hmm. I like I got a PhD and was doing research that nobody cared about, and uh, and then I was like, oh, you know, like this platform thing is cool. Like I can go and do research there, and and mm -hmm. then you know, one thing led to another, and all of a sudden we apply a misinformation label to Donald Trump's account, and I'm on the cover of the New York Post, mm -hmm. and that is a deeply terrifying experience. And I say this from a position of unquestioned privilege as a cis white male like the internet is much scarier and much worse for lots of other people who aren't me but it was pretty scary for a long time what was as a result part? of that you know when you get targeted in some of these ways it's hard to differentiate between what is somebody just online trying to rattle you and what's a real threat you see in things like Pizzagate that let me just point out well this guy's whining about uh, how he was targeted by misinformation let's go back through some of the tweets that this guy sent out prior long prior to January 6th uh, in the first three months of the Trump presidency he uh, had in quotes today on meet the press we're speaking with Joseph Goebbels about the first 100 days meaning Hitler's misinformation officer so he called uh, Trump's people, Nazis, years earlier. He said, I'm just saying, in another tweet, I'm just saying we fly over those states that voted for a racist tangerine for a reason. Now, he's the guy who's saying, oh, yeah, Twitter was really angry and mean on January 6th. But he calls people racist. He calls them Nazis. In fact, uh, on January 22nd of 2017, he tweeted, Yes, that person in the pink hat is clearly a bigger threat to your brand of feminism than actual Nazis in the White House. So this guy who's so scared to death about the kind of stuff he saw on January 6th, he calls people Nazis, he compares them to Hitler's henchmen, uh, he says that people are racist in much of America. But he thought all that was okay. But the stuff on January 6th, that was over the line. This is a fascinating story, and it's not going away anytime soon, because now that the Republicans have control of the House, and Elon Musk has control of Twitter, we're going to find out a lot more 
about exactly what has transpired. But for now, that is your big lead for today. The Big Lead on Cairo Radio. A couple of months ago, we told you about a woman who had a spa in Madison Park when a guy with 22 convictions came in and tried to brutally rape her. The man has now been caught, and uh, the woman who owns that spa is very relieved. We're going to update her story when I talk to her next as we get rolling here on the Dory Monson Show. Well, I want to update you on a story that we first told you about a few months ago. A Madison Valley business owner, she owns a spa there, and she was brutally attacked by a man who had a bag full of knives. He tried to rape this woman, but uh, thankfully a co-worker finally heard her yelling out. Uh, Her name is Amber. She joins us once again here on the Dory Monson Show. Amber, I appreciate you coming back on with me. Hi, Dory. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and how are you doing? Because when we talked just a few days after the attack, I know you were pretty shaken, and I have no idea what the trajectory is like after something like that. So, first of all, how are you doing right now? I'm doing okay. Um, Yeah, right after we talked the last time, I don't think I'd slept. I think it was still just pure adrenaline at that point. But, um, yeah, um, you know, I'm still doing okay, but... um, um, yeah, I think I'm pretty resilient. I think I've gotten um, able to kind of keep moving through this. So, And there was a long time where they had an idea of who they were looking for, but they hadn't caught the guy. And I imagine that had to be very disconcerting for you. Correct. Yeah. So it was in less than a week that uh, the detective had a photo composite um, that I was able to 100% identify. Um, and so she had... She had the warrant like pretty quickly. Um, and so that was very frustrating that it seemed like he just sort of disappeared after they knew exactly who it was. Yeah. Okay. So we finally got word last week that they had made an arrest in the case. How did you find out about the arrest? Okay. So that's actually a really good story. Um, a very close friend of mine, um, Richard Meek, he's also a massage therapist in Fremont. Um, he, what has been just absolutely scouring the internet um, kind of relentlessly searching for, you know, when people post like warning the neighborhood of what they found on their security camera, um, he's been looking for those specific videos. And so one on the next door app was of from a doorbell cam of some guy trying to break in a house and of stealing their porch furniture. And so my friend instantly recognized the man on the video and contacted the detective and forwarded the video to her and she was able to make contact with the original poster of the video and find out his whereabouts and follow up on all the leads and tips that the neighborhood and the community were leaving on that thread as to his whereabouts. And so she was able to like kind of follow that post and see, you know, where people had seen him and they were able to send officers to all those locations mentioned and they were able to pick him up within a couple of days. Well, you said it was an interesting story. It it almost sounds a little miraculous to me because there are so many attempted home break-ins, and with all of the ring cam videos that are out there, that would almost seem to be a bit of a needle in a haystack to try to find the guy that attacked you. Right, exactly. And that's sort of what, that's kind of why 
I'm so thankful to have the friend I have because he recognized that this person is, you know, a career criminal. And so he's still in town, probably still committing crimes. And so I think he just thought the odds are he's going to show up on somebody's security camera committing another crime somehow. Amazing. Okay. So you found out that he had been caught. Uh, what did the police communicate to you about this? And do we know what charges the police are recommending and what the prosecutor's office may go for? They are charging him with um, attempted robbery with a deadly weapon and attempted rape with a deadly weapon. And that's what I know for sure. I don't know if the burglary charges are, I don't know anything about that, but um, those two I know for sure. And that's all I know at this moment. I'm not sure when any... I don't know the the rest of the details. Okay, and so uh, what what kind of timetable did the authorities tell you this guy's going to be on? I don't know that yet. Unfortunately, I'm sorry about that. Um, well, the reason I ask is is it going to be difficult to face him down if you're in the courtroom at the same time? Is it going to be satisfying for you? What, what's the range of emotions when you think you're going to see this guy that puts you through so much hell? You know, I think that you're right on in that it's, it's in both of those, I think it's going to be kind of a mixture because on one hand, I'm really psyched because I, I like the idea of, you know, revenge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's understandable. Um, but, but then at the same time, and so it's like, I, that's all I've been thinking about for the past few months. It's like, haha, yeah, I'm going to share my story and we're going to get him. And now that it's reality, I am starting to get a little bit queasy feeling. It's like, oh God, I don't, I don't really know if I want to see him again but um yeah the ad, people have mentioned that um there might i'm not sure of the process but there might be ways where i might not have to actually directly look at him so okay. but i mean i think as hard as it may be i i think it's it needs to happen i mean whatever needs to be done for me to tell the story and get the information out there as accurately as possible so he is hopefully put i really would like to see him put away for for good this time yeah well, he's got a long criminal history. He uh, certainly acted out very violently towards you. Uh, I'm afraid, because we see so many violent criminals just get slaps on the wrist, I'm afraid that he's not going to be put away anywhere near for good, but I, I hope you're right. I, I really share your, your desire to see this guy removed. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the process. I don't know the system. I'm familiar with it completely, but from... What I would like to see, I mean, he has 22 priors, arrests, um, yeah. that include terrible things. I mean, if you look through his rap sheet, it's awful. It's ridiculous. And um, he had a 48-month sentence for bank robbery. Then I don't know how this is even possible, but he was let out after 10 months um, into work release, which he immediately escaped. So right. it's like he was a fugitive status at the time that he entered my office. So... I just don't even, that's all shocking, like how that even happened. I don't know. I don't know enough about how it all works, but okay. I'm hoping that there aren't any mistakes this time. You bet. Last time we talked, so last thing, you, you told me that your sister lived out in the country and she was kind of half-jokingly saying she felt like you live in Gotham City. Now that things yeah. have you know, been removed a couple of months, how do you feel about uh, where you've opened your business and where you reside, reside now? I love where I reside and where I open my business. I'm, um, I, I do love that neighborhood and I still think it's beautiful. Um, I don't walk around as much as I used to and that kind of makes me sad, but, um, 
I, I know it's safer than a lot of other cities. Um, I mean, just coming from a small town, I kind of, you know, am used to a safer mentality. And so, yeah. but maybe, you know, Seattle's always felt very safe to me. And so maybe that's just one of the realities of it finally becoming a big city. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I hope that now that he's caught and like you said, I hope they put him away for a long, long time and that nobody else will have to be traumatized the way that you were, Amber. But I sure appreciate you sharing your story and letting people know that he has been caught and that that's one less guy for now that we have to worry about. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Uh, Amber, thank you so much, and uh, we'll stay in touch, okay? All right, thank you. All right, Amber Myers, she opens a, or opened a massage and wellness spa when this guy came in a couple of months ago and tried to attack her at knife point. But thankfully, Seattle Police have caught him. And again, great job by Amber's friend and uh, friends who kept an eye out for this guy for so long. I'd love to hear your thoughts on all this. You can text me at 888 Cairo, 888 Lots more straight ahead here on the Dory Monson Show. Nicole, do I have the green light now? Can I tell everybody about our holiday magic auction item? Yes, it's live. Go for it. It's live. We'll do it live. Okay, uh, all the shows are contributing a auction item for our foster child holiday magic. And, you know, I'm not competitive. But I'll be disappointed if ours doesn't get the most. Uh, as you know, I twice have gone salmon fishing with Tom Nelson. Captain Tom, he is going to take me and you and one of your friends. And, Nicole, you're going to join us too, right? Nicole? Well, I hope so. Well, you are. That's yeah, you're, my plan. You're, sure. you're part of the deal. Okay. So this is a chance for you and a friend to go salmon fishing on Puget Sound with uh, Tom Nelson, the best in the business, me and Nicole. Uh, Tom said we're going to go on one of the days where you can pull up the crab pots, so we'll get you some crab, too. Uh, we'll get you some salmon. I think it's going to be next uh, summer. There's a two-month window where we can go out, and I don't know if we're going after uh, coho or what we're going after. But uh, we'll get you a couple of salmon. We'll get you some uh, delicious crab. And we'll have a little fellowship. So, Nicole, Tom Nelson, me, Tom's buddy Joey, who's the outdoorsman outdoorsman, uh, we will take you and a friend out for four-hour private salmon fishing and crabbing experience on Puget Sound. How about that? So, uh, if you want to bid on this, just go right now, because it is live or action items, go to mynorthwest.com slash holiday magic, and you'll get a chance to bid on any of these auction items. But that's one from our show. Go to mynorthwest.com slash holiday magic and join the show and Tom Nelson for an afternoon of salmon fishing and crabbing out on Puget Sound. And come on. Come on. You're not going to do better than that. 
crying. And as Tom, I mean, as Tom pointed out to us, I mean, a trip like this would be, you know, three grand for most people, a guided trip like this. And I mean, gas alone well, is three a grand large expense just to go it. out. But I mean, now we've got the added star power of, of you. Oh, going out as well. Okay. MyNorthwest.com slash holiday magic if you want to bid on that. Okay, do I have time for this? I got I got so many things like oh, from over the weekend, so many things that were undercovered. How about this? The former uh head of Wait, where's where's my guy, Nicole? Where's my Apple guy? Should be at the Oh Where's my Apple guy? It's my Apple guy. What? It's there, it's there. Just look low, look low. I've cried out loud. Tim Cook. Okay, so they're using Chinese sweatshops, allegedly, to build some of the iPhones, but Apple's still doing business. Uh, while the Chinese people have taken to the streets, uh, millions are out protesting their government. What does Tim Cook, the head of Apple, have to say about these peaceful protests in China? Mr. Cook, do you support the Chinese people's right to protest? Do you have any reaction to the factory workers? He's walking underneath the Capitol, and he won't even slow his stride. He won't look at this reporter. That were beaten and detained for protesting COVID lockdowns. Just keep walking. Restricting airdrop access that protesters used to evade surveillance from the Chinese government. Okay, now this is an important one. So as the millions of protesters were out on the streets, and China has ways to crack down on peaceful protests, but some of the protesters were using airdrop to send files of photos and videos to people around the country so that they could see that they were not alone, that this was a national mobilization for freedom in China. And Apple reportedly restricted the ability of the protesters to use airdrop to get the word out. And Tim Cook just keeps on walking. Do you regret restricting airdrop access that protesters used to evade surveillance from the Chinese government? Do you think it's problematic to do business with the communist Chinese party when they suppress human rights? Nope, they'll help Apple build cheap phones. The NBA won't condemn China because they're trying to get a piece of a multi-billion dollar marketing nation there. But these major U.S. corporations, they will not stand with peaceful protesters. And Apple and the NBA, they should be ashamed of themselves. We'll have more on this throughout the afternoon. Coming up next in the Fastest 15. How the government's going to control you the next time the power goes out. Details straight ahead.